You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Natchez, Mississippi is where my father was born, and his father, and his father, and his father. But that deep family connection was interrupted for me and nearly broken altogether when I was 14 and when my father died. With him went the deep knowledge and understanding of that place passed down along generations in our family. But in the past few years, I've been on a journey of reconnection and rediscovery with Natchez, visiting there more often, learning more about the place and the people. And it turns out Natchez has strong historical significance, not only for my family, but also for the South and for this nation. It played a central and horrific role in the slave breeding and trading industry that built the American economy in the first half of the 19th century. Through Reconstruction and Jim Crow, that legacy wrought painful and enraging stories about race and inequality and the very idea of Americanism. I'm fascinated these days by just about anything I come across that tells me more about Natchez and its history. So I was really intrigued to learn about a book published last year that explores the many layers of societal intrigue and racial injustice that surrounded a 1932 murder in Natchez. Goat Castle explores what happened in the Gothic South when two white eccentrics hired a black man to rob their neighbor at her estate. And it places the narrative in the context of race and racial tension, both historic and modern. It's authored by Karen Cox, who is a professor of history at the University of North Carolina, and she joins us now to talk about her book and the city in which the story unfolds. Karen, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Yeah. So let's first by uh, let's start by uh, talking about this story itself, which is odd and interesting and uh, and and just sort of cries out, I think, for uh, explication, which I which uh, I think is probably what attracted you to (laughs) to the idea of writing a book about it. But but just quickly tell us what the story of Goat Castle is. The story is, is basically a um, a robbery uh, that went bad in Natchez in 1932. There was a um, uh, and all of the the principals involved are either descendants of the planter aristocracy or descendants of slaves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the woman uh, was murdered in her home. A na- woman named Jenny Merrill was descended from the elite of the. Uh, planter aristocracy and she was murdered in her home uh through it was she probably put up a fight and ended up losing her life um in in this robbery attempt and um and then it just kind of unravels after that because the the story uh, will become about her neighbors who were the first to be charged uh, and arrested um, for her murder and uh who are eccentrics who live next to Next door on the neighboring estate, who have, uh, who live in a crumbling down antebellum mansion and keep a pen of goats inside of their house, <laughs> among other animals, uh, which gets it the nickname in the press, Goat Castle. But swiftly it becomes uh, an, the investigation turns into the black community. Um, eventually, um, the the only person and really the most innocent person uh, will will be charged uh, and swiftly um, uh, convicted and sent to the worst prison in the country at the time, which is Mississippi State Penitentiary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this is fraught with uh, the racial history of, of that town, 
uh, it's fraught with the role that, uh, as you as you put it, this this great class divide uh, in Natchez that exists uh, uh, plays. Uh, talk about how those things come to sort of form form the story. The the class aspects, yeah. yeah. Class. Well, you know, so we have <clears throat> the um, the woman who was murdered, um, her cousin. There, these are these are people that are descendants from the elite of Natchez. And when we say planter class, yeah, I'm, planter class. These were like the one percent of the mm-hmm, of the time. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they're, the neighbors, though, are descended from elites, but th- they are elites who have fallen on hard times. So while uh, the Merrill family uh, in, in Natchez still had money, mm-hmm. she still had money, they had lost everything. And so there's, there's a class divide there. Yes. Um, and then um, there's even class divides in the, the, the people that get arrested, even the white people that get arrested um, or, uh, you know, taken in. Um, and then, and then you have you know the African American population there, and um, and so you know it, yeah. you're in the Jim Crow South, and these people are going to go down. Right, right. Uh, you know what what's what's uh, resonating, I guess, for me out, out of that is is again my own history mm-hmm. uh, in Natchez. As I said, my father was born there in 1933, so just a year after this murder, his father was born there in. Uh, 1915, uh, you go back uh, many, sure. many years, many generations uh, to slavery um, in in Natchez and and to the origin of our name, Henderson, uh, my name and our family's name, which comes from uh, one of the more prolific, as you call them, planters uh, yeah. who, who were uh, in that region. The Henderson family of Natchez still has one of the antebellum mansions downtown. Uh, or in the center of the city that's mm-hmm. open for you know pilgrimage days and and things like that um, and, and it is one of the families that actually lost uh, a lot of, of of what it had I mean it's not it's not a family that's able to even maintain uh, that mansion the way some of the others are because of that but that really is part of the story of Natchez uh, and America that that this idea of the wealth, that was built up uh, on the backs of, of African people who were brought here, it didn't always preserve itself after the war. It didn't always maintain. Uh, and there are, there are tensions and struggles, even today, that I can sort of perceive in Natchez about that money, uh, where it is and where it is not. Right. Um, and the thing about Natchez is interesting. So what, like the Merrill family, for example, which... Uh, the reason they're able to maintain um, their wealth is because they had diversified their investments. Um, they were from, and the thing about Natchez that's also interesting is that a lot of these planters were from the Northeast. They were from Pennsylvania, uh, New York, Massachusetts, and uh, they came down to get wealthy. You know, and 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 uh, ended up, you know, for the forced migration of of nearly one million slaves from. Maryland and Virginia mm-hmm. end up in Natchez, and there's not a you know an African American in Natchez that isn't descended from slaves. Right. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah. The, so that you have you know the people who lost everything, who who had you know uh, put all their eggs in one basket, so to speak, and then and then those who were diversified. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about how this story for you fits into this larger narrative about. 
uh, race and inequality, and and particularly as it pertains to the justice system, uh, this is this is a time when the justice system is openly hostile hostile to to African Americans, uh, and yet there are things that I read in the book and 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 sort of things that happen that I'm like, oh, well, that wouldn't be that wouldn't necessarily look all that different today. No, you're you're right, um, and so. So we take the 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 person of um, George Pearls, who had a a name Lawrence Williams, um, who may was likely the trigger man, but uh, we'll never know for sure. And he, when he leaves, he's headed back to Chicago, which is where where he's from originally, mm-hmm. um, under completely different circumstances, is arrested because he's a quote unquote strange Negro. Um, and uh, and when he he's allegedly resist arrest, he's shot six times and killed. That's a story that could have you know been plucked out of the news you know in sure. the last year. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's Emily Burns, who's the one woman who actually is um, put on trial and then goes to prison. I mean, she will be like you know the same. It's the same today. It's like the majority of of. Um, Women, uh, or, or just people in general, um, in in the prison system, or people of color. Uh, then, in in the Jim Crow South, it was all you know, African American. But I, there were a lot of. Um, I actually put to, I wrote a piece for Time Magazine about this, about how these um, the women who ended up in in prison uh, in the 30s in in Mississippi, um, some of the same issues that get them there. Uh, are visible in the population um, uh, today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and what does that what does that tell us about then and now? This this echo of you know inequality of 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 injustice. I think it's it's for for me it's interesting because it's like it's no longer the Jim Crow South. This is the United States, and this is you know the 21st century, and it's. And there, it's the needle of progress has barely moved, <laughs> uh, you know, and 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 that's a, a real tragedy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Karen Cox, professor of history at UNC Charlotte, author of Goat Castle. Stay with us on Detroit today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. As always, thanks for tuning in. My guest is Karen Cox. She is a professor of history at UNC Charlotte. She's the author of a book called Goat Castle, which is the true story of a murder in Natchez, Mississippi in 1932, and the racial and class implications of the efforts to bring justice to that murder. Uh, we're talking about race and class as they pertain to Natchez, as they pertain to the United States, as they pertain to history and the present. Uh, Karen, I'm, I'm curious uh, how you came to this story. What was the research you were doing that brought you to Natchez and to this murder? Well, I was actually doing research on a, an event called the Natchez Pilgrimage, which is is a uh, an annual thing that began in in the spring of 1932, where um, these white Southerners opened up their grand antebellum mansions for tours. 
Um, and I was working in the archives and state archives in Jackson, Mississippi, and met a historian there. And he said, if you wanted to know about Natchez, to look at Goat Castle. And he said, Goat Castle put Natchez on the map. And it began with that <laughs> placing that bug one in my line, ear, right? one line. And I, I was like, well, I have to investigate gotta that. Got to find out about that. Right? And, and, uh, and, and, and so it's, it's the way the story's been told over and over and the, and what originally attracted to me, it, that story to me was sort of the wackiness of it. Mm-hmm. You know, these eccentric people and, you know, a real Southern Gothic story, but it was true. It wasn't fiction. It wasn't Faulkner. And and so, um, but as I delved into it further, I re- I recognized the that the real story and the one the story that had been lost was the story of racial injustice uh, that was embedded in this, yeah. and and it and, and that I needed to figure it out. And and pilgrimage, which is the the opening of these of these mansions, this is something that happens. Today. today I have not been uh, to pilgrimage. I've seen lots of photos and read lots about it, and it's one of the things that I feel like I've got to go do to just sort of experience and and again, uh, sort of part of that reconnection for me uh, with Natchez. But it's always struck me as an a very odd celebration of this awful history and one of the odd things about it is when I look at photos, it's not just white people who are involved in this. You, you see African-Americans um, among the crowd, too, and people are dressed uh, in antebellum clothes in many cases. I mean, there, there is this, for me, rather frightening throwback uh, element to it, but it's something that's just part of the culture, I guess, in, in Natchez. Well, I think things have changed over time. I mean, it, there there was... Early on, you know, African Americans portraying slaves. Um, uh, there's also, um, and and that that quit during civil rights, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Un, you know, unrest. That they people quit doing that. But the one thing that had remained was this um, uh, something called it was a called Heaven Bound. Basically, it was um, bringing together of African American choirs from around the town. And that performance is still part of Pilgrimage Week, and that it's its own thing. But what's in, I think is significant about that in particular was that that uh, the money they earned went back; they funneled it back into the black community and into their schools. And and so that's important today. Um, you're 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 more you're beginning to see in there. I, I know I've met a young man down there who's who's uh, formed his own. Um, uh, tour company to mm-hmm. give people the African-American history tour. And there's a, an African-American museum there mm-hmm. in town. And and so there's there's more to be found. And then they've also put some um, uh, things along uh, St. Catherine Street, which was the, the black business district mm-hmm. in Natchez, for people to learn more about the history as a kind of a, on their own walking tour. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but yes, I mean, it's, it is... Uh, you know, this, the history of the pilgrimage is one about that celebrates the Old South yeah. and really a mythological Old South in sure. some ways. Sure. As, as do the mansions themselves uh, and and the fact that they are now considered uh, tourist stops. You know, I mean, they're open for people to, to walk through and they're called museums, but they really are just uh, sort of homages to this life, uh, this mythologized life. Of leisure and and wealth uh, that that uh, you know and the ones that I've been in that they barely mention 
slavery or, or they refer to them as servants as and not servants, slaves right. yeah. yeah i mean there's a real uh, there's a real difficulty i think in in walking through and not just uh, uh, being being revolted uh, you're you're also working on uh, some new research uh, yeah. in, in natchez uh, talk about what that is yeah i'm i'm very excited about this this is something i hope some of your listeners <laughs> will will maybe recall or mm-hmm. have heard the story of something called the rhythm club fire that took place in April 1940. Um, the Rhythm Club was uh, had invited this um, very popular um, jazz orchestra, Walter Barnes and his Royal Creolians, <laughs> and everybody wanted to be a you know there for that that party you know and um, and and so sadly though uh, there was about 700 people there that night, but the the owner not wanting people to sneak in the back door or through a window or you not pay their two bits to hear the band boarded up all of those uh, exits and the place caught fire. And um, the end result was uh, 209 African-Americans perished in that fire. Wow. Wow. And it, it really devastated a generation of young people. Um, um, but also it had, you know, effects beyond that um, because people who had migrated to places like Chicago and Detroit um, that had family members there. Mm-hmm. And, and and so um, I'm interested in kind of figuring out where that fits. It's, you know, in the uh, World War II era um, and also how that had an impact on race relations in, in a place like Natchez. Sure, sure. Uh, I, I say when I go down there that, that race relations – there feel at once uh, stuck in in an older time, but also in some ways uh, feel very modernized in in, in in other ways. It's it's a real um, it's a real different place than than Detroit. I wonder if you could talk just a little about that. Um, about yeah, race relations there. Yeah, yeah you know, um, there is definitely. You know, an economic divide there mm-hmm. that's it's very um, visible. Um, but I'm, you know, in my time going down there, I've I've noticed, you know, there's there are some um, efforts to um, um, offer more of, you know, the story, the fuller story, which is the African American story there in Natchez. Mm-hmm. And still, I was just down there you know, a couple of weeks ago to present on Goat Castle, which is to me a story of racial injustice. And I, there were, you know, a handful of African-Americans in the audience. And I don't know if this is, you know, a result of they're not reaching out to the community in the way that mm-hmm. they should. Um, there's a lot of work to be done there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's a little bit of both. Yeah. And I, you know, um, so it's, it, it fe- I mean, you can feel it. I feel like when you're there, yeah, it's, it's you all can. very, very upfront and, and, and obvious. Um, uh, okay. Well, I, I wish you luck on Thank you uh, so your much. research project and it sort of dovetails nicely with, uh, with my family research sure. uh, in Natchez, which, which continues as well. So Karen Cox, professor of history at UNC Charlotte and author of Goat Castle, Thanks very much for being here with us on Detroit Today. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm.
that's going to do it for us today. I will be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. Remember, if you had to miss any of today's program, you can always go to iTunes or wherever it is you download podcasts. Download and subscribe to Detroit Today. Take us with you and listen when you are ready. Detroit Today is produced by Laura Weber Davis and Jake Neer. The program director is Joan Isabella. Our technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan. And our associate producers are Gus Navarro and Ziad Butch. Detroit Today's theme song was composed by WDET's Sam Bobby. And this is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you.